Hello, friends. It's so, so good to see you and um, your precious faces. Um, welcome, 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 welcome to church, dear friends. It is um, actually such a privilege. I, was, uh, I have this thing where um, between services, especially if I'm on worship, um, that back room, if you don't know, there's a little room behind there. And uh, that's my little place where I like to go between services and just... Um, Take a moment to say, oh God, we get to do this again. Like we, get to, we get to worship you again. We get to lift our hands again. Um, and uh, this morning, it is such a privilege. I um, just was thinking in, in worship, um, there's tools in the band were leading us, and we were singing, and we were crying out to God. And you know what's so beautiful is I, I don't think God's listening and looking at the, like the quality of the voice. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they're a bit pitchy. God, I don't think he minds. I mean, Chris, he, he just... I think he's looking square on at the heart, the heart that looks up and says, oh, Jesus, oh, God, you are utterly valuable and you are utterly precious. And um, I can't shake two images out of my mind. The one is of that woman with the jar of perfume who, when she comes, and if you know the story, Jesus is having dinner and this woman breaks into the dinner effectively with this jar and she breaks it on the ground and it's not Pretty, she, she doesn't un- unplug the cork, you know, I mean, daintily pour it out, but it's broken. Um, and this jar of perfume is expensive and it's valuable, but in that single moment, that single thing that she does, she proclaims to the room around her, and actually to us, hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, she proclaims, this Jesus is utterly more precious than anything else I have. And I was just thinking as we were worshiping this morning, the second picture is where um, Jesus talks to this lady, the Samaritan woman. And he says, there's a time that is coming where the real worshipers, the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. And actually like this morning as we sing, the reason why our songs and our hearts gather into the velocity and the momentum of that moment is because what we're singing is true. It's true. It's true about him. It's true of who he says he is. And I think the church, we will see weak worship when we sing heresy. You know what I mean? We'll see worship that is utterly meaningless. It will not change and transform. People will not meet with God when it's not the truth that we're singing. But when we sing truth, when we sing about who God is, man, oh man, oh man, we can do that again and again and again. And in fact, I think there's a point to Revelations where it talks about the mighty multitude of people, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, again and again proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The earth is filled with His glory. And they don't grow tired of that song because that song never becomes any less true. Isn't that absolutely stunning? And so just this morning, thank you for coming. (laughs) Thank you for coming to worship. Thank you for coming to to gather as God's people. I've been thinking so much as um, gathering becomes more and more tricky and more and more we have to kind of think around this. How can we do this? Can we not do this? And um, I just think of how God calls His people in in His Word. He he calls them in, in the Greek, it's the word ecclesia, the called out ones. You, you called out. What are you called out of? I, I think there's the obvious. He calls you out of sin and darkness. And the word says into the kingdom of his marvelous light. But not just that. I believe he calls us out of comfort. I believe he calls us out of the mundane and the ordinary and the stuff that the world and maybe even celebrities. You know, people that we have much um, respect or awe for. And they say, this is so important. And God says, I'm going to call you out of that. You're going to be a people set apart. You're going to be a people who, who burn for something different. You're going to smell different, taste different, look different. And actually one day you're going to a completely different place because you're going to be with me. 
And uh, I just, I love that. And so um, we really just want to welcome every one of you precious people. If you are visiting us for the first time, hello, my name's Michael. It's lovely to have you here. Um, I'm married to that incredible lady, Kate, over there. And um, we just uh, are so, so thrilled that we can gather and, and be called out on a Sunday and come together and say, Jesus, we, we're going to come to your word again. We're going, to, we're going to ask you, God, would you speak again? You know, as the church has been doing for generations and generations and generations of saying, God, speak to your people, please, please. So um, this morning, I'd love to quickly pray, if I may, um, just for our time as we come to the Word together. And our Father, our Father, you taught us to pray and acknowledge that you are in heaven. And this morning we've sung that you reign and you are in control. And I just, I want to thank you for that, God. I want to thank you this morning that you are in control. You are seated over everything. That no situation represented by the precious people in this room is beyond your control and beyond your sight and beyond your knowledge of a way through. And so, Lord, we just acknowledge that you are God in heaven. And we say that your name is hallowed and holy and precious and above every name. We sang it this morning, God. We lift our hands and our hearts and we, and we come this morning and say, would you, as Christian Myers, would your kingdom come? This morning, as we, your people, gather around your word, would, would the kingdom of God come and would it impact and would it transform and would it shape Jesus? Would we leave different this morning because we've met with you? Would your will be done here? Not our will, <laughs> but your will be done this morning. And so I pray for the preaching of the word. I pray for us, its hearers. Oh God, would, it, would the truth come in? Would, it, would it, it, it be like seeds in good soil? And would we come hungry and thirsty and desperate? We love you. We love you, Jesus. Would you be exalted and displayed this morning? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, we have been doing a series on the Holy Spirit. If this is your first week with us, or maybe it's your hundredth week with us, that's what we're doing. We're, we're doing a, a series through this person, this gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, I, I really want to encourage you if, you, if you don't know the Holy Spirit, or if you don't have a good, as we would say, um, theology on who the Holy Spirit is, if you don't know what the Bible says, then I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the preachers that have been preached. Um, actually, don't be okay with, um, it's fine, I'll find out eventually. Actually, um, I, I really believe that God calls us to, to study and learn and to enjoy and to gnaw on Him. Psalm 1 talks about um, this incredible thing about a man of God. There we go. Let's see. We can find. So you can grab your Bibles if you have them with you. It's, it's a good time to open the Scriptures and to uh, hear the rustle of pages. So if you have them, you can rustle them. <laughs> Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seek of markers. Verse 2, But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates day and night. And I've never shaken the picture. I remember a preacher standing up here and they, they spoke about the word of God being like a bone to a lion. And they spoke about how that lion, if you've ever seen, anybody seen a lion kill um, in, the, in the game reserve and the noises that they make and the gnawing and the growling and pleasure. And, the, and, and they spoke about how this picture of a man delighting in the word of God isn't a, 
oh, that's nice. You know, it isn't like, it's not a, you like, you read something like, that was a cool word, you know, good word. No, no, no. The, the, the picture here is of a lion sinking its teeth into the connective tissue of that bone and, and gnawing on it and enjoying it and growling with pleasure and delight and, and not wanting to let go. That's the picture. I've never seen, it's not my own, so I'm not going to be like, hey, that's a great picture, Mike, thank you, no, it was someone else. Um, but I just wanted to share it with you because actually I believe that we are a people who are called to delight in God's Word. And, and, and this morning we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit again, but we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and how He works with the Word of God. So I am so excited, and I trust that this morning that you... I'm not here to just give you a whole bunch of food, uh, but uh, this is something that Kate shared the other day, but I'm here to make you hungry. I'm here to make you say, well, Jesus, if that is true, if what I've heard this morning is true, then I want more. I want more. Uh, The first question that if you are taking down notes this morning, I'd love you to write it down is, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for more of God? I, I, I think of this Holy Spirit who we've spoken about. And week after week after week recently, we've spoken about this Holy Spirit. And um, it's interesting that if you look at the, at the Bible, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 659 times. That's a lot. It's a lot of, that's a lot of spirit. And uh, so many times of that, when it talks about the Holy Spirit, it's talking about being spirit-filled or being filled with the Holy Spirit. Again and again, we are, we are urged, we are compelled by the Word of God to actually live lives that are filled with the Spirit. And I think we've heard about that over the last while. And actually, I don't know about you, but I sometimes look at my own life. And I think of what Jesus said to his motley assortment of disciples when he said, I came that you would have life and that you would have it abundantly and you would have it to the full. And I look at my life and I'm like, Jesus, this is a sorry excuse for an abundant life. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and, and in that, uh, what comes out of there is not this thing of um, guilt and shame, like, oh, I must be doing something wrong. It's a thing of God, I am thirsty for more. I am hungry for more. You said, you said, Jesus, that you came to give us life and to give it to us to the full. So would you fill us up? And I'm going to refer to a number of areas of life over this morning. I'm going to refer to your own inward life, your own heart, your own soul. Um, there's this beautiful song that I love. It's, uh, and the, 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 the line of the chorus goes, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. It says, um, Spirit of the living God, come fall afresh on me. Awake me from my sleep. Blow through the caverns of my soul. Pour in me to overflow. It's this beautiful song. But I think that's such an accurate picture of our hearts that actually there's room, <laughs> there's a cavern, there's a caves and all sorts of things. You know, or sometimes we're described as a house or a temple. You know, the Bible has many pictures, but I love that picture of a cavern because that picture of the Spirit of God blowing through and filling the cavern, actually clearing out the cobwebs and the nonsense. I, uh, <laughs> I love the picture that actually, I don't know about you friends, but I am a hoarder. <laughs> Caitlin will definitely attest to that fact. I love jars. <laughs> that's, that's something in the physical, but there's a spiritual hoarder in me as well, where I hoard hurt and I hoard anger and I hoard unforgiveness and I hoard self-importance and self-righteousness. I, I hoard my own opinion being the best one. I hoard lies, actually, things that I've believed that are wrong. I I hoard all sorts of things. And maybe you resonate with that too. Maybe you've hoarded um, failure. You've hoarded insecurity. And and sooner or later, we fill up those caverns of our our lives with lots of stuff, lots of nonsense. And my prayer is as we have gone through this, this time talking about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would move through the caverns of our lives. And He would 
not just spring clean. <laughs> dusty, dusty, none of that nonsense. No, <laughs> the picture I have is blowing the rubbish away, actually getting rid of it so that there's nothing but Him. Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it abundantly, not life and, you know, not Jesus and how often we live lives that are the things of God and our own things, our, our own ways. And um, that's when we get into trouble. That's when we get into trouble, when we have built our lives, not on Jesus fully, but on a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of our own thing, which is fun, which we can play around with because we think it doesn't hurt anybody, but it's a divided life. And Jesus says, a divided life, you will fall. It will come down. It might not come down today, but it will come down. And so friends, my first injunction to you, the first question was, are you thirsty? The second one would be, build on Jesus and his truth only. On Jesus and his truth only. And so before I get ahead of myself, where is this all coming from? Well, I think of Ephesians 5 verses 18. They're two major scriptures that I really want to kind of spring off this morning. The first one is from Ephesians 5 verses 18. And there's this um, instruction from this man called Paul as he writes to this church in Ephesus. And he says, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. That word debauchery can also mean wastefulness. Wastefulness. We often look at that and we say, ah, yes, mm. Don't get drunk on wine, you know. We love the don'ts, the do's and the don'ts, the laws and the things, that, because we're naturally religious. That's what we incline ourselves towards. But, but there's a heart here that God wants us to get. He says, actually, don't get drunk and intoxicated on wine. And you could almost sub in there the things of this world, because the world will tell you that a number of things are really important. They will tell you that actually wealth, super important. Your retirement, crazy important. I'm not saying that these things are not, but in the greater light, the, the light of greater things, actually more important things, they are are dim and meaningless things. In fact, Paul summarizes a lot of life and a lot of these things as light and momentary troubles. Isn't that wild? That actually like, you said, but I, I'm so, <laughs> you might think, but the bond on your house, the relationships with your family, um, your job, your reputation, whatever it may be, uh, uh, dot, 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 fill it in. All of these things actually, like actually don't get drunk on it. Don't get your value from it. Don't get high on it. Um, oh, I want to just go and live an adventurous life. I want to go see the world. Yeah, that's cool. The world is beautiful. God made it. It's, it's really good. But actually, don't get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk and intoxicated on the things of this world. Why? Because it is passing away. It's passing away. That thing. And you know what? The world will tell you. I, 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 I speak to the young people now. Young people. I speak to the middle-aged people now. I speak to the older people here, actually. There are things that the world values and sees as really important and incredibly necessary right now that if you see them for what they are, you realize they are temporary. They are going to vanish. Ten years from now, they will not be important. Culture, think about shoes, guys. Have you ever looked at what, is cool, what are cool shoes these days? Like, how quickly they change, don't they? Fashion, it's the most fickle thing, you know? Um, wealth, incredibly fickle. And all these things are temporary. We need to, we need to build our lives on something better, something that's true. And so, what, what is this godly alternative to us not getting drunk on wine, not getting drunk on the world, not getting drunk on and, and wasting our lives? He says, this is the alternative, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. And so again, I come back to that first question. I'm thirsty this morning, friends. I, I don't stand here in front of you saying, I'm a man who's full, and I, 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 and I just want to like, let you know that you can be like me. That's not what I'm doing here, I want you to know that I'm thirsty and I hope that you are too. I hope that each of you as you sit there in some way, God is putting his finger on your heart and saying, I, I, I want you to know that, that actually I can fill you. 
You're looking for the filling and all sorts of other things. God rebukes his people. <laughs> this is actually one of my favorite scriptures. He rebukes his people and, and he, I've forgotten where it is. So excuse me for that. But he, he says this, my people have committed against me two evils. The first evil is that they have forsaken me, the, the spring of living water or the fountain of life. He calls himself. He's like, actually, they've, they've, they've left me behind. They've walked away. He says, the second evil is that, and I, I think this is me. I do this, is that they have dug for themselves broken cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And he is talking to these people and saying, guys, not only have you walked away from me, the source of your life, but number two is you're looking for life in all sorts of other places and they're broken. They cannot hold it. And you get frustrated. At, who here has gotten frustrated with God where something that you loved started to leak the water out, so to speak? And you're like, why is this thing, why is this friendship not working anymore? Why is this job that I thought was going to save us not happening anymore? Why, I put my hope in this and actually it's let me down again. I thought that there was peace in my family and it's let us down again because they are broken systems. They cannot hold water, but there is a fountain. There is a fountain. We don't need to go and try to capture God. We can actually go to the fountain and we can sit by it and drink from it day after day after day. And uh, I don't want to be a person who forsakes the fountain of life because the world looks so groovy and looks so special and I want to go be a part of it. I, I think like, people are like, ooh, lovely car. It's so amazing. I'm like, great car. I carry on, you know, actually, there's a real beautiful application for us this morning that I hope we get into. So uh, that was a little circuitous route, but are you with me? Are you there? Excellent news. Okay, so this is my scripture that we're going to spring off today. Um, and it comes from actually uh, John. It comes from the book of John. I've actually just lost it. How funny is that? It was the scripture and now it's gone. <laughs> 13 verses 16. Caitlin, 16 verses 13. Which one is it? 16.13, thank you. All right, here we go. Yeah, uh, let's go from John 16, verses 6. How's that? We'll throw things a little on their head. <laughs> 16, verses 6. You guys there? You okay? All right, and it says this. But because I've said these things to you, Jesus is sitting with his disciples here, and he says, because I've said these things to you, he's just told them that he's going to die. He's going to leave them. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Friends, if you're a highlighter, if you're an underline in your Bible, that's an important phrase. I tell you the truth. Everything, our entire lives hinge on that phrase, actually, that Jesus tells the truth. That if, if that is not true, then we have nothing. Isn't that crazy? But the fact that our Jesus is true, and what he says is true, and what he does is true, in fact, he is truth itself. That means that everything, if we can believe him for everything. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. You can imagine the disciples sitting there at the table with Jesus. They've spent three years with him. They are probably his best friends, you know? Like they have spent time with him day in and day out. They have eaten together. They've seen miracles. They've seen the most crazy, incredible things. And then Jesus drops this insane idea. He says, it's to your advantage that I leave. If I was the disciple, I'd be like, no, no, please stay. <laughs> don't, don't, let's not be crazy. Let's not be hasty about this thing. Jesus, it's been so good with you. We've never tasted anything better, you know. But Jesus, he says, I tell you the truth. Therefore, what follows must be true. And he says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper or the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. But what I am looking for, what I am looking for, is John 16 verses 13, where he goes and then he says this, when the spirit of truth comes, there's this way that the Holy Spirit has introduced to us this morning, friends, that we've heard him as, of him as the dove, we've heard of him as the oil, as the fire of God, as the wind of God. And um, this morning, I'd love to spend a little bit of time, if we may, talking about him as the spirit of truth. And he is the spirit of truth. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And we could go on there, but I just want to take a few promises out of this that I just love. Firstly, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, there's a guarantee. There's a guarantee. He's coming. He's coming. We need truth like never before. We need to know what's true like never before. Culture has never been so loud. People closest to us have never been so loud and sometimes so wrong. (laughs) Um, We need to know what's true more than ever before. And uh, it says, when the spirit of truth comes. Secondly, he will guide. I love that. We don't have to, um, we don't have to convince him. <laughs> it's not like God is looking to be like, convinced by your life. Uh, he's looking at you and saying, oh, yes, show me that you're serious. You know? Show me that you mean it. No, it says he will guide you. He will do it out of his own agency, his own desire. God wants you to know the truth. Isn't that beautiful? He wants you to know what is true and what is not. And I love this, that he that uses the word will guide you. And um, the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Jesus. And I think of the Scripture here because actually that sounds like a shepherd to me, that he guides you. He doesn't drag you into truth. He doesn't kick you <laughs> into truth. He doesn't like take you against your will into truth. But in fact, he guides you like a shepherd. I think of Psalm 23, which so many of us will know really well when he says, uh, Though is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And then it goes on to say, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's, that sounds like the same person to me. That actually this spirit of truth will guide us into what is true. And that is such an encouragement for me. That actually in every situation, in every moment, on anything, you get to actually say, oh God, would you give me your spirit of truth? that I would know where to go here. And then you know what's amazing (laughs) is that you can wait for him then. You can wait for him to answer. Unfortunately, if you're anything like me, (laughs) you're a bit bit good at the first part, but terrible at the second part. And the second part is you're great at praying the prayer, but you're not good at waiting for God. Um, In fact, at the end of Psalm 27, we did a series on Psalm 27 last year. And um, right at the end of the Psalm, he says, uh, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You know, that he repeats himself because I think we're hard of hearing. <laughs> I, I don't think we, we've got the waiting part yet. If you're anything, like I, I, can, I feel that on a deep level because I read that. I'm like, oh, I'm so good at being, God, here's my request. Here's my thing. Lord, would I know what you want to do here? And then, okay, I'm going to carry on with my life. You know, <laughs> That's a, I am so bad. Anybody else? Is it just me? I'm not. Okay, good. There's some notice. Thank you, truthful, honest people. Love you. <laughs> that is awesome. And, uh, and so I am just so encouraged by the fact that Jesus promises us his Holy Spirit, the gift of God. And you're thinking, well, okay, but surely that's for some people. 
Surely it's just for the, the, the special spiritual folk, you know, not me. I'm an ordinary person. I'm a, maybe you're like, I'm a varsity student, or I'm a businessman, or I'm not one of those guys, you know, comes up and takes the mic and then like, it feels like the Bible pours out of them kind of person. You know, I'm not one of those people. I'm not that spiritual, but I love, I love what Jesus, um, actually Jesus says, that, where, is, where is this thing? Luke, one, uh, Luke 11 verses 13, Jesus says this powerful thing to his disciples. He says, if you then who are evil... Mm. <laughs> you want to know some truth <laughs> this morning, then look into the Word. Because sometimes we need that cold, delightful slap of the Word to say, actually wake up. And so it says, if you then who are evil, when was the last time you called someone evil? I'm just saying. Anyway, we carry on going. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. It's amazing. God looks out over the world. He sees you. And He says, actually, if you, who's, who's actually evil at the end of the day, you are selfish. And you are self-obsessed, and you are fallen, and sin is in your heart, you know. But if you who are evil knows how to give a good gift, and then he says this phrase, it's one of my favorite phrases in the Bible, how much more? How much more? Friends, if you are an underliner or a highlighter, how much more is probably precious to you. It says, how much more will the heavenly Father, the Father, give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Are you thirsty? Are you asking? <laughs> Jesus is cheeky with his disciples in the best way. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. <laughs> I love that. I love that about my Jesus. He doesn't mince his words. He doesn't beat around the bush. But he says, actually, I tell you the truth. And he does. <laughs> he does. And he says, you do not have because you do not ask. Friends, if you're feeling dry, uh, to use that picture this morning, ask. Come thirsty. Why? Because your father, it's not based on you. It's because your father your Father, how much more will He give you the Spirit? How much more? Man, oh man, oh man. So what does the Spirit of truth do? It says He'll guide you into all truth. And so let's talk about truth for a little bit here. Just um, what that kind of looks like. I've been thinking about us and our role as the church and truth. And there's this incredible scripture in 1 Timothy, where Paul is writing to this, um, this young leader, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. And you can see here that God really cares about truth because he says this. He, uh, Paul's writing, he says, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. Interesting that, that actually there's ways that we should behave when we're together, but that's for another time. It says, Which is the church of the living God. It's the church of the living God. That's who we are. That the living God lives inside of us. But then it has a name. It gives us a name. Is it there? Ah, the pillar. And then that's, the NIV says the foundation of truth. The ESV says a buttress of truth. A buttress. And there are two different architectural terms. But if you think about it, a pillar of truth. What is the church being called to do? We are called to know truth. Actually, Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Truth is important to Jesus. But not just that, he's actually saying truth is important to us. Because why? We are called to be a pillar of truth. What does a pillar do? It holds something up that's very heavy. <laughs> if you take the pillar away, that thing's going to come down under the effect of gravity. And I just think actually of the time that we live in now, culturally, we live in this immense world where there is a cultural force and pressure that is saying what you are saying is not true. What you are saying is not right. In fact, we 
Christians are, are called um, people with hate speech. They're saying, you're not loving your neighbor. You're not being like Jesus because you're judging me and things. But, but actually, when we hold to the truth, we are like a pillar that stays and actually keeps the building up. And maybe it's by God's grace that men and women, young guys and girls, would know truth and hold it and say, Jesus, we are not going to move from this place because we know what your word says. And if we give up our post, the building's coming down. Does that make sense? Actually, there's a preservative thing. When Jesus spoke about you being salt and you being light in the world, one of the things about salt is it preserves. It keeps things. And I think that's something of our role is that us knowing what God says is true and telling the world that and living that out, flesh and bone, sometimes not perfectly, but living it out actually is a pillar that keeps things. It's a pillar of truth. The buttress, I love the buttress because it's this horizontal structure that holds up a wall, essentially. And I often think of buttresses getting like buffeted with the waves. You know, if you think of one of those old lighthouses that are out there exposed on the rocks. And I think about that and I, I, I think Paul is giving us a warning actually and saying like, don't be surprised actually when the weight of the world, what culture is saying is important, what's true, what's right. And even, you know, if enough people say it, it can look right. If enough people post it on social media, it can look like a good idea. Um, it's amazing. We, we celebrate crowds. We think crowds are awesome. More people, but the crowd is who shouted crucify Jesus. Um, I had a friend who used to say, you'll very seldom find truth in a crowd. And I was like, oh, interesting thing, you know. Um, I just I thought about that. Actually, God, what does your word say? What does your word say? Culture is screaming. These things saying, you are wrong, you are bigoted, you are a fool, you, you are, um, what's that, archaic, you're out of touch. But, but actually there's, there's a calling on us as the church to be a pillar and a buttress of truth. We are invited to know truth, friends, and build our lives. You know, and we don't, we're not pillars and buttresses built on sand. We're, we're called to build on, the Bible calls it Christ the solid rock. Christ the solid rock. That's where we build. No other place. We've been singing it for generations, that hymn. All other ground is sinking sand, isn't it? It's shifting. It's changing. Fashion changes. Culture changes. Opinions, what's right, what's wrong. Morality is changing. It's that people are like, this was right, but it's not right anymore. You know, it's amazing. But we get to know truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into truth. And that's where you will then, with the spirit inside of you, be a pillar and a buttress that I believe preserves the world and, and it will save many. It's a beautiful, beautiful reminder. Is that okay? You guys still with me? <laughs> Saw some nodding, so thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> so let's talk about these scriptures just briefly. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17. 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 to 17 is this incredible thing. It talks about the word, the scriptures. I believe that when the spirit of truth comes, friends, he will guide you into truth. And by doing that, he'll take you to the word. He'll take you to the scriptures. Um, how's your hunger for these scriptures? How, how, how are you doing here? Um, there's, another, there's another portion that talks about the word of God. It says all the word of God is um, good. It's prophets. It's right here. I've got it here. It's from uh, 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. Oh, we're in the scripture, friends. Come on. It says all scripture is breathed out by God. Isn't this an amazing thing that when you're sitting there, you're not sitting with dry, crusty pages that are probably too thin. They're very fragile. You know what I'm saying? Um, but actually, these words, this truth, whew, 
is breathed out by God. And often the picture I have when I come to the word, which is one that's helped me, is when I take it and I hear that scripture, the scriptures are breathed out by God. As he breathes out, I breathe in. The, the scripture, the truth of God resuscitates me. You think of a drowning victim. If we are drowning in the world, if we're drowning in the opinions of others, we're drowning in what this person says and what I'm, I'm scared, I'm worried, I'm doubting, I'm losing hope. Actually, when we come to the scriptures, God resuscitates and breathes into us. And actually, I love that. So it says all scriptures breathed out by God which means it's from him, it's for us, it's for our ears, our hearts, our lives, for our transformation. And it carries on and is profitable. And again, I'm a highlighter, I'm an underliner person. And I just circled that word. I was like, instead, it's profitable. Because I, I asked myself the question, Michael Jonathan Lopeser, is this Bible still profitable to you? Or has it become dry and crusty and familiar? But when these scriptures, when these words, suddenly you realize, oh, this, there's great value and great precious treasure beyond price here, then we have a stew going. You know what I'm saying? Now we have something cooking because then we come with the correct posture to the living word of God to say, well, then what is it going to do? Okay, it's going to teach you. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's going to use it to reproof you. What does reproof mean? English people? Anyone? Correct? I like it. I think that sounds good. Correction comes next, so maybe it's not. Double, double correct doesn't seem right. Okay, we'll keep going. Just come on, this is interactive. You can shout out. You can imagine the early church. Someone's like, brother, what do you say? You don't say it like that. <laughs> anyway, for correction, it will train you in righteousness. Actually, when you come to the Word of God, it's going to train you. You know, uh, who of you have ever done something before that you didn't train for? <laughs> Every day, sometimes, <laughs> some things for me. I think of like the day that I, I said to Kate, Kate, summer's coming. Summer body is real. Here we go. You know, and I, I went and I ran a 7K or something ridiculous. And I came back and I was like, yes, come on. You know, this is, ah, I am a new creation in Christ. This is incredible. The next day, <laughs> the next day, I, I could barely move. I, could, I was, oh, I, I strained out of bed. I, I, and you know why? Because my body was not trained for what I just pulled off. <laughs> it was a bit of a dog show. For the rest of the week, I was like, even with my kids, someone would say, like, they'd come in, and I'd sort of get up to greet them. I'm like, <clears throat> getting up and sort of walk to the door. It was a very strange time of my life. I think of like, if you were to be asked, some of you, <laughs> you've asked, Hey, listen, we, our keyboardist is down. They just you know, vanished. Can you come play for worship on Sunday? If you're not a pianist, what are you probably going to think? Yo, I wish I had trained for this. You know what I'm saying? And, and there's, if you're in business, if you're a businessman or a businesswoman, I think of like someone involved in the finance world. Hey, Andrew, like someone involved in finances or many of the others of you are involved in some way. If you're not trained for what you do, it's a little bit of a dog show if, I, if, if you suddenly have to do it. And so I love this, that the scriptures will train you for righteousness. They will train you for righteousness. And um, it says this, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It's a scripture that I love. Um, we talk, um, Paul is talking about um, to this church, and he just says, you have everything that you need for life and for godliness. You have everything that you need. If you've ever had a moment where you've just said, God, I have no idea what I need to do here. I have no clue what the way forward is. I have no idea. I think um, and some of the teachers here, you have this child, and you have given them your guts and your glory and still, you know? And you, you sit there going, I have no idea what to do here. Parents here saying, I have this child, and you're thinking, I have no idea. You look at your finances, you look at your home, you look at your job, whatever it may be, the stuff around you, you say, I have no clue. But then this beautiful encouragement rings out from the Word of God and says, you have everything that you need for life 
and for godliness. But the season that I'm going through is too hard, Jesus. You have everything you need for life and for godliness. God, how can it be that I I don't even know how we're going to get through this as a family? You have everything that you need for life. That is start to finish. Your first breath to your last breath and everything in between. Everything that you need, God is saying you have. Isn't that an incredible promise? That's an incredible thing. I, I read that and, and that's, that's the ground that I want to build my life on. Where Kate and I are holding each other tight, like late at night saying, Jesus, we don't even know how this is going to work out. We cannot see a way through. There's no logical uh, man, man-made wisdom that's going to help us here. You have everything that you need for life and for godliness. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of truth and He will guide you into all truth. And if you feel like you don't have much of Him, well, you're encouraged to ask because your Father in heaven, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? There's, there's a promise here that we build our lives on, the word of truth, the word of truth. I'm gonna start bringing this thing to a close. John 14 verses 26 talks about the Holy Spirit and I just love it. He says, but the helper, the helper. Friends, we need help to read this Bible. <laughs> if, uh, maybe some of you are um, incredibly gifted scholars. You're incredible. You read this and it just all makes sense. I'm not like you. Um, I shared a story where Kate and I were going through books of the Bible together as a couple. We'd read it late at night together as a way of ending off our day. And we went through a bunch of books and it was awesome. Then we got to 2 Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to 2 Corinthians and we read through that book. And both of us, it was so funny, both of us came out of it going, hey. Like, what, what is that about? Why is he so upset? What's going on? And we were so confused and actually a little discouraged, I think, by the fact that we didn't understand what was going on. So did we then spend time waiting on God and asking him for clarity? No, we just left it. <laughs> we left it and we, we carried on with our day. How often do we do that? Um, and I just think, like, actually, imagine how different it would have looked if I had said, God, I'm going to trust that actually you are the spirit of truth. And we're going to wait here in this book for a while until you, who knows this word because you breathed it out, would you show us what you want to show us in this? And we're not going to move and hurry on. Oh, we're a people of hurry. We're not going to hurry on until I get it and it's transformed me. It's changed me completely. Um, and funnily enough, this, last week, this, this weekend, we were away as elders and we went through to Corinthians as, um, as the scripture that like, we spent our time in. And it just came alive to me. The Spirit of God illuminates the Word to you. It's a, it's a profound thing. And I suddenly sat there laughing at last year, Michael, who was so perplexed and vexed by this 2 Corinthians because he didn't understand it. And I chuckled because the Spirit of truth, if I had just, if I had just come to God who had written the Bible, you know, actually we have access to the God of the Bible. You know that? Like the God who parts the Red Sea, yes. <laughs> the God who um, heals the sick, yes. The God who nothing is impossible for, yes. The God of wisdom, yes. The God of truth, yes. We have access to him. In fact, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we are filled with his presence. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And so I want to I encourage you to embrace the helper. Embrace the helper. My, my final injunction to you, dear, dear, dear friends, is actually like one of a more practical one. Um, and it's, uh, I, I want to call you to come find prophets in the word again. Um, I want to call you to prayer again. Um, I want to call you to a life of truth again. Parents in the room, if you are growing tired and you are saying, I 
I can't go again. I can't do this thing. Maybe it's life group. Maybe it's church on Sunday. Maybe it's um, that issue in your family that has just been an issue for too long. You know what I'm saying? That, those sorts of things. That don't give ground up now would be my thing to you. My friend Chris says something which I love. He says, don't give up ground now that you will have to fight for later. And, um, and I think of that in parenting as huge. Marriages, huge. Don't give up ground now that you're going to have to fight for later. I'm talking about godly ground. I'm not talking about your own stubborn ground. Leave that thing. <laughs> that ground can be left behind. I'm, I'm talking about the, the ground that God gives you. Actually, these, this is us following Jesus. This is what we know is true. This is what we know is valuable. Um, young people in the room that are sitting around here, do not give up the truth that you know in God because you're going to have to fight for that later. We often um, talk about it practically in terms of relationships. And we say, hey, guys, physical boundaries are, are, are like the... It's helpful to talk about those things, but it's a real thing that actually in that space, when you give up something, you give up ground, it's very hard to take that ground back and restore order again. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a clear practical application. If it's coming to life group or coming to prayer meeting or being part of the call out people of God, don't give ground there. No truth. A buttress and a pillar doesn't waddle around doing its own thing. It stays in one place, and that's where it does not move. Actually, um, we are in a time right now where people are shifting and moving between churches because it's easy. You know, it's, it's attractive. Stay in your church. Stay in your local community and be a pillar and a buttress of truth there. You know what I'm saying? Don't move. Don't move. Parents, if your children are giving you that, and oh, I can I almost lock eyes with some of you here. When your children are giving you that face, and you just think, oh, let me just give in. I'm tired of fighting. No, no, no. Do, as a non-parent, can I say, but as a child who gave the face and who had parents that are like, no, bring the face, it's fine. Uh, no, no. But uh, as a child that, do not give ground. Okay, I don't want to go to youth. Do not give ground. I don't want to do this. Do not give ground, but hold to what is true. Hold to what you know is good. Let the scriptures inform you as to what is good and right, because culture will tell you what is good and right. But those things are changing. They'll be different in five years' time. But Scripture does not change. Is that making sense? I, I, I wish I could apply to every one of your lives. Like I wish I could mention you by name and say, in this area of your life, do not give ground, but hold to truth here. Let's be a people of truth. We're not alone in this. I love that. We're not alone in this. We have the Spirit of God. Man, oh man, I was going to talk about so many cool things. Wow. <laughs> talk about the Thessalonian church. Revisit that. Wow. These are good, good moments, but maybe how do we finish this off? I think we finish it off with a beautiful psalm. Um, I love this psalm. It's Psalm 25. Um, psalm 25 verses 4 to 5 um, is the heart that I think that we need to come with because, friends, I go back to the beginning. I, I come thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty for truth today. I'm thirsty for truth from my Jesus. I hope you are too. I hope you're thirsty and you're hungry for truth in, in whatever area of life that you're in. And so this is what Psalm 25, verses 45 says. It says, make known to me your ways, O Lord. That's our prayer. Make known to me your ways, O Lord. It says this, teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all day long. There's that waiting again. Eh? He's not going to let us go here. He's not going to let us go. Part of God leading us requires waiting. And so actually we, we're going to hopefully get better at that. That's my prayer for me. God, would, would I get better at that? Um, can we stand? Can we stand? We, um, 
there's so much that we could talk about because actually the, 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 the Spirit, when we gather around the Word, friends, when we gather around the Word, the Spirit brings it alive. It should never be dry. It should never be dry because this Word inherently is profitable. Inherently it is good. And, um, and so I, I want to pray for me and, and us. Is that okay? I don't exclude myself here one bit because I, I'm hungry. And if, if, you're, if you're hungry and if you're thirsty, would you, would you respond with me? Is that okay? Um, you can, we're going to sing a song of worship just now. But for a moment, could we quieten ourselves? If you want, you can lift your hands. But really, it's the posture of your heart that counts. And so, Lord God, we don't have fancy words. How do you... How do you ask God for the infilling of his Holy Spirit? How, how do we do that, Lord, except to say that we're thirsty and we come hungry? We ask, Lord, that today your word would go out like good seed. Oh, it is, it is good seed. And it would go out over people's hearts and lives and it would begin to transform us. Romans 12 tells us to be transformed and so we, we will be, God, by your word. I pray, Lord, that you would make us come to life. If we've been dry and like bones, we would see the story of the dead bones in the valley and the Spirit would apply that scripture to our lives and say, now hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones live. Dry bones live. And so, oh God, this morning, please, would you pour yourself out on every heart here, every mind here, I pray, Jesus, that we would be full with your spirit, full to the brim, overflowing, God. Would you blow through the caverns of our hearts and our lives? Would you clear out the rubbish and the cobwebs, the opinions, the I'm right all the time? Clear it out, please, Jesus. And would your truth take up residence, your spirit of truth inside our hearts and lives? Help us to live it out. If we have been compromising truth, God, give us strength to say no to ungodliness, please, Holy Spirit. We submit ourselves to you. We love you. We honor you. And, and God, if there are people here who don't know you this morning, we pray, Spirit of truth, that you would reveal Jesus to them. The truth, the way, the life. We love you, Lord. And we ask this in your powerful, beautiful name. Amen.